For those online, I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. (laughs) And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, this morning, I would like to speak to you on the topic of joy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about joy. Here it is. Uh, Before we do that, though, um, good morning, um, and uh, I hope you full of joy to be in church this morning and with what's coming up. And I wanted to just encourage you, uh, if you're uh, part of the Billabong, or even if you're, you know, you're visiting this morning, uh, welcome to you as well. I want to encourage you to come along to a few things coming up. First one is carols. Um, but guess what? Uh, our carols event, although it'll be a lot of fun for everyone who is a part of the Billabong family, mostly it's not for you. It's actually for you to bring your friends along to. Um, don't get me wrong, it'll be a lot of fun, and, and uh, we've got our, our teams doing music and a little scared, and, um, and I'm going to share a few words on just the good news um, that we, we've read about here, this good news that brings joy. Um, we're also going to watch a little short film, which is absolutely fantastic um, as the sun goes down on the big screen, but um, I just really want to encourage you to invite your friends. This is an opportunity to say to people in your lives, come and see, just come and come along and just come see what we are a part of, what it is that we celebrate at, celebrate at Christmas. Um, and uh, there's heaps of flyers out on the Connect stand out there, and we'd just really love you to invite someone. We've been inviting our um, Micah's school friends, and uh, a few of them said, yeah, we'll come along. And i um, just really looking forward to a good, now, good night out on the lawn. Um, and it'll all wrap up in time to get the kids to bed, um, not too late. Uh, and then, of course, Christmas Day breakfast. Um, we have called this our, our prayer breakfast because this one is for us. This is for those who are part of the, the, the family of God because we just want to, I'm not going to preach or anything on that day. We might sing a couple of carols, the choir is singing, but um, we just want to pray for each other on that day as we go into our family and friends gatherings. Um, that we would be a blessing to others um, and bring something of the joy and the love and the hope and the peace of Jesus into wherever we are. So um, prayer is powerful. Um, and so just praying for each other in that at 8 a.m. on Christmas morning uh, will be um, hopefully a great joy and we'll, we'll see the, the fruit of that. So I just want to encourage you with those things. Uh, we're in a series called A Jesus Kind of Christmas. And last week we spoke about peace, which is a gift from God, because righteousness is a gift from God, and peace and righteousness kiss, the psalmist says, they go together. Um, This week on joy, next week on the hope that we are able to carry from Jesus. So as we talk about joy this morning, um, we read in the passage today, um, thank you Evie for that brilliant Bible reading, Um, uh, we read in the passage that when the angels come and and, and speak to the shepherds watching over their their flocks, uh, that they say this is uh, an event, this coming, this baby, this saviour who's been born, 
of good news that will cause great joy. Why, why such great joy from this news that they're hearing? Well, the context is that it's been 400 years. That's quite a few generations. 400 years of waiting and on God to do or say something. Maybe this, this promise from the prophets that there would be this Messiah, this Savior, this King, this Rescuer. Um, but it's been 400 years of not only not that, but 400 years of just silence. Like God is just, where is God? They've been asking for 400 years, the people of God, the Israelites, the Jews. And, and there's, been no, there's been no prophets, there's been no indications of God doing anything. And, and so it's just been dark for 400 years. So you can imagine that is why it's such good news that brings such great joy when they hear that what's been promised more than 400 years ago, this Savior, this Messiah, has been born. They're like, oh my goodness, could it be that the wait, this long, long wait is finally over? So, as we think then about, okay, this, this good news, this gospel causes this joy, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about joy from a biblical perspective? What is joy? Um, there's a great uh, video that the Bible Project do which talks about this, this joy. And, and in essence, they, um, I'm not going to play it today. I will post it on, on our social media later just so you can have a, have a listen. But they talk about how joy is, is more than... Uh, based on our circumstances. So in the Bible we read, you know, people saying things like joy in the midst of suffering. Well, how do you how do you do that? Because that's not a joy or a happiness based on what we currently experience. Joy biblically speaking and joy for the people of God through the Old Testament is um is something that comes from knowing that God's promises will come true, knowing that um uh, when, when God doesn't seem to be working now, we know there is a bigger plan, there is a, a greater hope in the future, and he's working this out. So we can have joy because we know this, right? It's an attitude that God's people adopt, this is what the guys at the Bible Project say, because of God's promise to work in the world. Um, it's not determined by present circumstance, but by future hope and destiny. So it's a deeper thing than just uh, something great's happened, so I'm happy. Something nicer, you know, I've been blessed, so I have joy. It's deeper than that. Ultimately, though, what we talk about when we're talking about joy, in the biblical sense, is a gift. Exactly the same as the fact that peace is a gift, or shalom is a gift. It comes not because we've done anything to earn it. It comes as a gift from God. It comes because of what God is doing, not what we are doing. And so that's the, that's the best starting place, I think, when, when we talk about biblical joy. It's a gift. It's a free, undeserved gift. And we'll come back to the, joy, the gift, the joy stealers later. Did anyone have the gift of joy nabbed away from them this morning? Yeah, one or two people as you walked in the door. Yeah, yeah, I know. Batman. I mean, goodness me. How do we how do we get it then? How do we receive get this gift? Well, Psalm 86 4 points to the fact that we ask. So Psalm 86 4 says, Bring joy to this is the psalmist praying, bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. He's asking for joy, but he's not just asking for joy. Go, okay, God give me joy, and then God gives it. He's he's asking for a whole range of things in this psalm. In Psalm 86, he, he prays, Hear me, God. 
Have mercy on me, God. Guard me, God. Teach me, God. Give me an undivided heart, God. So he's asking for a whole heap of things, all of which are good things to ask for. There's something about seeking God and God responding to those requests that brings joy. Jesus said it this way. He said, ask, and the context is in my name. He's talking about praying in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we have been created for or as as vessels to receive, if you like, overflowing joy. That's how we've been designed and created by God, to receive joy and to be filled up with joy. But there's a process by which we get to that point where we're filled and overflowing with joy, and that is that we ask and God answers our prayers. We're created to be filled with overflowing joy. Process is to receive it is answered prayer. It's us seeking God responding. That's where we experience joy. Now, for me, I experience this to be true in, in two regards. I know I lack joy uh, in two circumstances. One is when I'm asking God for stuff and he's not responding the way I want because it's not in line with his purpose. So I, I'm, you know, I'm complaining, I'm asking God to do this, and I'm going, why God? Come on, God. You don't understand, God. You know, and, and instead of praying, God, would you show me why this is the way it is? Show me your purpose in this situation. Give me peace in this. And when he responds to that prayer, then I find joy, maybe even in difficult circumstances. There's another situation, though, where I know I lack joy, and that is this. I'm richly blessed. God's given me amazing things and amazing experiences that I never asked for. And so I'm, I'm not really thankful, even though I'm abundantly blessed. This is what theologians sometimes call common grace, right? We have so much blessing from God, but if I don't actually ask for those things, if I'm not seeking God for those things and they just drop into my lap, then I'm not thankful and then I'm not actually experiencing joy, even those, those, though those things are cause for joy. Joy comes from answered prayer, whether it's the prayer of help or please or sorry or thank you or your will be done or whatever prayer it might be in Jesus' name, I aligned with God's will. So that's sort of a bit of what is joy? How do we get it? But what is it for? This is more what I want to to focus on today. What's joy actually there for? I mean, God could have said, well, there's no need for joy. When God's people seek me, they will experience my peace, and I'll give them, as we talked about last week, my peace, this shalom, this wholeness. But is there really a need for this overflowing happiness and joy and exuberance, or isn't peace enough? Why does God give joy as well? Let's have a look at the scripture for today. The shepherds, um, uh, the angels come and speak to the shepherds, and it says this, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So in receiving this answer to prayer, really, this 400 years of praying and waiting, they were filled with joy 
in, in receiving this news, of this gift is finally here, they were filled with joy, and it led to joyful sharing, passing it on, saying, this is what's happened, letting it out. Now, it's a bit like the woman at the well. If you don't know the story, this woman, she's really seeking God as a Samaritan um, a woman, and, um, and Jesus comes, and he, the way she describes it is he told her everything about her, and he seemed to know her, and she's just amazed and overflowed with joy, and it feels like she's got her, her life back, or maybe given life for the first time. She's talked about the water of life that he is, and she runs back into the town, and what? Shares it. She tells everyone, come see this man who told me everything that I ever did. She couldn't contain it because of the joy that she had experienced. But all she did was come and see. She didn't go into the town and say, I've met Jesus. Let me explain the doctrine of substitutionary atonement to you. I've met Jesus. Give me a napkin so we can draw out two ways to live. Give me, let me explain. the. Right. She said, come see Come and see this man. Come and see him. I think that the joy of the Lord is, is meant to bring a lightness and an ease. This is a very light box. It's not hard to, to carry. I think the joy of the Lord is bring, meant to bring a lightness and an ease to our pointing people to Jesus, our sharing our faith, to make it more natural, more easy, and less of a heavy burden, more of a joy. So this, this idea of come and see faith sharing, where it's not we have to be the one to lead someone to Jesus in two and a half minutes, but it's actually just come, come, come see this, come see what you know, we get excited about. Um, uh, I want to talk about that for a minute. There's some, if, if you said to me, who do you think of, Luke, when you think of a joy-filled person, someone who just has... That, that joy of the Lord in it, and it's visible. Um, one person I'd mention would be Nicky Gumbel. Some of you would know of Nicky Gumbel as uh, one of the founders and, and uh, kind of the face of the Alpha course. Alpha is a, um, a course designed for people to come and see, right? To, to Christians to invite non-Christians to say, come and see, come and explore Jesus, Christianity, ask questions in a friendly environment. And Nicky Gumbel's face He's just always smiling, right? He's just not like, I don't think I've ever seen him frown. Whatever he's talking about, he's just, there's just this ease and this lightness and this joy on his face. And I think it's one of the reasons that Alpha is an effective, a really effective tool to help people come and meet Jesus. Because it is first and foremost an experience of love. People come to the course over 10 weeks and they get fed and, you know, Loving people just go, we just want you to discover this good news. We just want you to be able to explore this in a safe way. There's no judgment. There's no pressure. We just love you. But it's also an experience of joy where they come and it's kind of like they get presented with the, the content and it's like, I don't believe this stuff, but I've had a fun time exploring it anyway. Like it's, it's actually, it really is an experience of joy if it's done well at least. Um, there's no pressure. There's nothing forced. It's just, hey, we have good news we want to share with you. But most of us Christians have not experienced or associated sharing our faith with joy. In fact, the way um, a friend of ours puts it is, is um, most of us have, ex- have, have connected sh- faith sharing with trauma. 
like sharing our faith with, with just a burden and like, oh my goodness, like I don't, I'm going to need a theology degree for that. I'm going to, oh my, how do I, how do I even start? Like, and, and you know, people, someone might say to us like, so, oh, you went to church on Sunday and we get all sweaty. What do I say? What will they think? Uh, it's like, it's a, it feels like a burden rather than being associated with joy. But the good news is that we don't have to be super competent, bursting with confidence, gospel sharing, evangelist, wonderful, I can do it all in two minutes and someone's going to fall on the ground crying and repenting and giving their sins to God because I, you know, I, I'm, I'm wonderful at this. It's just, it's just a, hey, come and see what I've found. One of the reasons I'm saying, hey, why don't you just invite someone to carols? That's, that's, not, that's not huge. That's, that's simple. That's small. But it is a come and see what we're a part of. It's together we do this. It's not you on your own. Come and see. Come and see. So that being said, there's something I want to address when we talk about joy that I've observed. So if you watch the Bible Project's little video on joy, they'll talk about um, the, the reality that joy is something deeper and more profound than just what most people would describe as happiness, right? And that, that's true. Like, I guess in, in this day and age, it, when people talk about happiness, not all the time, but more often than not, they're talking about something experienced because of a present good circumstance. Maybe superficial, maybe not, but it's, it's not the same as that biblical joy of even though my life might be tough right now, there's a greater perspective that I have of the future and what God's doing. And so there's a deep and resounding joy in my soul. The, the thing, though, that I think is a bit of a risk for people of God, for people of God is that some of us go, we, we tend to do this. I, I have that joy, that deep joy that comes from knowing Jesus. And yes, I have that perspective. But it's in here. My circumstances at the moment, though, mean it, it can't really come out here. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, I have a, I have a deep joy, but I, I'm, I'm not really feeling it. And so I'm not actually going to express happiness and joy out of my face and my words. The problem with that is that, for starters, if it is deep within here, it is going to come out. And we can use this as an excuse to go, well, my, you know, my circumstances mean that I, you know, I don't. And then it rubs off. For starters, in the Christian community, I'm as guilty as this as anyone. I'm not feeling it, so I don't. And I'm not talking about putting something on. Just, you know, you know they're like, you know, you're yelling at your kids on the way to church. And, and as soon as you walk in the door, hi, praise be to God. How are you this morning? I'm not talking about that, right? Sometimes life's tough and it's like, you know, I've had a really, really rubbish week. And, and it's hard. But a deep joy needs to come out and it, and it, and it rubs off on each other. I, I, I've been, what I'm going to say next, I've been wrestling with all week because I, I, I want it not to come over as criticism or condemnation, but just to, to challenge us, I guess. I was going to ask the, the, the worship team, the musicians and singers who stand up here, I was going to say, tell me your experience, guys and girls, of you singing and leading the congregation as we sing praises to God and celebrate what God has done in song. Um, but I don't really have to ask them because sometimes, if not a lot of the time, I know that the experience is they're looking out at many faces 
who look like they'd rather not be here. And I, and I mean that lovingly, and I know that it's not all of us. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it, it, it does just look like, y- yeah, you'd rather, some of you would r- rather be somewhere else. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's okay. I mean, sometimes we need to feel that way. But honestly, when we're coming together as the people of God, we need to ask ourselves, why is it? that a joy that I've been given in Jesus isn't making its way out into my face. And mostly not because of how it affects each other in the body of Christ, but because there's something very important when it comes to the overflowing joy when it, um, when it comes to uh, our witness, our, our um, pointing others to the one who gives us this joy. And that's this. Ain't no one coming to Jesus if it looks like his followers, if they look like, Life's kind of rubbish, <laughs> right? No one's going to want to like go, whoa, what, what is it about this faith that you seem to have that I don't if on our face it looks like we'd rather believe something else or experience something else? Is the joy of the Lord making it out of our body, out of our face, out of our mouth? Because if not, we're not testifying to who Jesus really is and what he really brings. There's a problem that we face, I think, that we need to address to avoid this, to, to make sure that we are actually communicating who Jesus is. The problem is, if I can uh, grab my, my joy thief, is that there are joy thieves around, right? So we have this joy, hey, the joy of the Lord, and, like, and, then, and then something comes along and it's like, Oh, with a maniacal laugh and all of a sudden our joy is gone, right? Who, again, some of you had the joy of the Lord stolen from you this morning as you walked into church. Oh, thank you for this wonderful gift. What's this about? <laughs> right? Thank you, Andrew. Now, if you just stay there for a minute. Here's the thing about this. Um, we know what some of these joy stealers or joy thieves are, Right? And we can avoid them and protect against them. For example, you can probably hear I'm at the end of a head cold and it's been pretty rough this week. So Monday, Tuesday, I'm coming down with it. Karen, Karen's coming down with it. She ends up on antibiotics. I'm going, okay, I see this coming, Lord. I need to protect my heart and my mind against this robbing me of joy this week. Don't know how well I did that, but I was aware of it. You can see it coming. It's not like it's sneaking up on you. It's like, right, this thing's ready to steal my joy away. We can see what those things are. We can see whether it's tiredness or whether it's, oh my goodness, this is going to be a 60-hour week at work or whatever it might be. We can see it coming. We can protect against it by cultivating an attitude of gratitude for starters and say, God, I need you to be my joy this week. The problem is, I don't think most of the most serious joy stealers operate that way, where they just run up, you can see it coming, and then it's tried to nab your joy away from you. I think most of them look like this. So let's say I'm having a conversation with Andrew over here, and say, hey, Andrew, how you, how you going? Um, I'm just going to put that down there for a minute because so we can talk properly. Had a good week this week? It's good to be in church this morning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my that's my my joy there. What's that? Oh yeah, I'm a bit. It's you know. What, um, yeah. What, hang, hang on, just just one second. I just need to grab my water. Just what? Uh, hey. Um. Uh, uh, oh. 
They steal the joy from under our nose. And, um, and it just sort of slowly drifts away and we think, you know, I've still got an eye on that. It's not going too far away. And all of a sudden, it's gone. What are these sneaky joy stealers? Thank you, Andrew. What are these sneaky joy stealers? I think it's ultimately good things. So, I mean, one thing might be uh, passions that we have. Something that God has gifted and wired you and, and called and, 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 and give you talents for, something you're, you're really passionate about. That might be teaching the Bible. That might be um, uh, you know, loving a certain group of people. That might be issues of justice. That might be politics. That Whatever that might be, that God's just given you a passion and a desire. And, and then you go after that thing, not by continually submitting it to him and saying, God, how do you want to use this passion you've put in my heart? But by going after it ourselves and going, why is this not producing results? Why do not other people care about this thing like I do? Why is this not going how I want it to? And instead of it being something that would bring joy because it's a gift from God, we go after the gift and not the giver, and our joy begins to slowly drift away, even in a good thing. Relationships could be the same. Friendships with people. God's given the gift of a friendship and then you begin to rely even on that husband or wife or child or, or partner or best friend. And it's like, I thought, God, you gave me joy in this person, in this relationship. Why is it disappearing? And God begins to remind you, because that was a gift not to be relied on as your primary provider of all 